Sports, politics, life, ideal health regenerative medicine presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues online at idealhealthkc.com. This was clearly one of those football games that if it happened early in the season, maybe in September or a couple of weeks in October, you'd say was a teachable moment for the Kansas City Chiefs. You would say, well, they have some shortcomings, some things to sew up, some things to fix. But hey, listen, they had a 17-point lead. They won on the road. They beat a Bill Belichick defense that was frustrating Travis Kelsey all day. There's a lot to look at and say, okay, there's something to build on here. When there's only three games left in the regular season, and we saw the same problems out of the Chiefs that we've seen all year, of course, that's reason for a fan base and critics of the Chiefs to hit the panic button and say this team is going nowhere. They're dead. It's over. I truly understand both sides at this point. I expected the Chiefs to play a cleaner game. Mahomes threw a pretty dumb interception early in this game. He and Andy Reid had quite a, it was not a heated exchange, but it clearly was businesslike. I believe what Andy said right there was, Patrick, you had one job coming here. We talked about it all week. Don't turn it over. The Chiefs were going to beat the New England Patriots if they didn't turn the ball over. Then they go out and turn over twice. After having built a big lead, they allow New England sort of to have some life to come back into this thing. After Kadarius Tony bobbles inexplicably a ball, it wasn't even a drop. A drop would have been fine. We'd love a drop. What we don't like is a juggling act trying to catch it across the middle with defenders all over the place. That turns into an easy interception and then a quick touchdown. The Chiefs allowing that to happen made this a game where they had to move the ball late, convert a couple of third downs, wound up taking a knee. New England would get it back, whatever. And one of the key plays in the game wound up being a punt by Tommy Townsend that Echo Boydo downs at the six-inch line. That shouldn't be a key play for the Chiefs. However, I've said this consistently all year. This is the kind of Chiefs team, this is the kind of NFL team, with a defense like this, a superstar quarterback that clearly can go win games late, hasn't done a lot of that this year, but can. We know that's there. This is the kind of team where punting the ball and downing somebody inside the one is a winning play and an important play. We are not used to this being important. We're not. We are not used to, hey, the Chiefs held a quarterback to 180 yards passing like Bailey Zappi and the Patriots with 52 yards rushing, which is all they had, and saying, okay, that's the important way to win the game. But it was. Chiefs essentially gave up one touchdown drive in this game, one. They gave up a field goal. There was a missed field goal. The cheap touchdown off the Tony turnover. Okay, those are on the Chiefs. They truly are. When they had to go move the ball, get it down inside the 10-yard line at the end of the game, and take a knee, they did it. So, again, there were a lot of things here that you look at and go, okay, they took care of business. But the problem with the Chiefs right now is the games that they've lost this year, they did the things that they did on Sunday. They did them all the time this year when they lost. We saw it early. We saw it against the Lions' first game of the year. We saw it in a massive way against the Denver Broncos. The Chiefs largely just went up and down the field and beat the Philadelphia Eagles in a Monday night game that the Chiefs lost because of stupid mistakes. And they made stupid mistakes that would have cost them the game against a better team yesterday. Anybody watching this knows that. This will not work for the Chiefs. If they keep this up, there is a strong likelihood they lose their home playoff game. I mean a strong likelihood. We're sitting here now with Buffalo and Cincinnati lurking as possible opponents to come into Arrowhead the first round of the playoffs. And nobody wants that. 
You'd certainly love to have somebody else come in. You'd love to have the Browns come to town. But the way it's shaping up right now, this could absolutely very easily be the Bengals or the Bills. The Bills are playing great. They're not in right now, but the Bills look to me like they're going to get in. They're playing great football, and they've got a chance. They've clearly got a chance, obviously, to be in the playoffs. The wild card in division, the one division race is crazy. The wild card is crazy, as it always is. We'll talk with Stan Weber about that coming up in a few minutes, but. Chiefs have some work to do. There's just no doubt about it. I, like everybody I know wants Kadarius Tony cut, not benched. There's a, like people are okay with Sky Moore. They just want him benched. Just keep him because he's a buffoon too at times. Had a ridiculous fumble that would have cost the Chiefs big time in this game, except a penalty nullified it. So what I hear from most people is they want Sky Moore benched, Kadarius Tony cut. They just want him punted out of here. Andy Reid said after the game, no way. He does too many good things for us. Uh, he ind- indicated they see it all the time in practice. He's a very young player that doesn't have years in the league. Hey, maybe at this point in the season, Andy's just going to support all his players. Patrick Mahomes went into a, a long discussion about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire after the game yesterday about he's one of the greatest guys he's ever met, a great teammate. He's always ready. When he gets in there, he does great things. I'm not sure that touchdown pass to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think Mahomes might have underthrown a little bit and shorted it to Travis Kelsey, but maybe it was. I don't think they're going to say, really. Maybe it was to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But Edwards-Hilaire is, is, I mean, he just looks like a player whose time is limited here, although he came up big on this Sunday. So we got to pat the guy on the back and say he made some nice plays, had a couple of decent runs. The big touchdown catch was huge. That was nice. The goal line situation where... Uh, Jarek McKinnon got the touchdown pass to Rasheed Rice was an, an interesting and fun play that if you weren't watching it closely enough, you didn't even know Mahomes didn't take the snap. He was in a three-point stance, and then the little pitch becomes a touchdown. I really don't have a problem putting those things on film, and it works, but that's not the way to win in the playoffs. I've, I've never felt like not snapping it to Mahomes is the best way to win in the goal line situation. Unless you've got something really unique, where you're going to allow your quarterback to go out and catch the pass wide open somehow and somebody throws it to him, I'm not really sure I'm I'm all that thrilled and and awed by snapping it to McKinnon and having him tar- target and uh, flip the ball to Rasheed Rice for a touchdown. But it, it worked. The thing worked. Look, the Chiefs only had 43 yards rushing. When they don't have Isaiah Pacheco, the Chiefs don't run the ball very well. Mahomes had a, a really nice day except for the interceptions. 27 out of 37. 305, two touchdowns, 92.7 rating. You take those interceptions away, and it's fantastic. The first one was on Mahomes. It was behind his receiver a little bit, and it was forced. The second one was clearly on Tony, but you know what you're dealing with here, and you know what you've got. This game, this was a 34-10 football game is what it was that wound up with a final score of 27-17. And if the Chiefs win 34-10, which they easily could have, People will be saying, are they fixed? Are they ready to make a run? Are they going to go deep? Look, you can't say that about the Chiefs until they clean this crap up. They would not have beaten a good team yesterday. They would not. They would not have gotten away with those two interceptions and beaten a good team. So this can't stand. Travis Kelsey said after the game, the hardest thing in the world is going up a Bill Belichick defense. He said that man is something else. They had mutual respect on the field after the game. It's pretty interesting to watch. I got a bone to pick with Kelsey, too. He dropped a touchdown pass in this game. Five catches for 28 yards, drop touchdown, and he did a flop, a soccer flop in the end zone, trying to draw a penalty. Okay, Travis Kelsey is too good to flop, A, and the Chiefs need him to make the play, which he could have 
if he hadn't flopped trying to draw the penalty. I think he could have made the play and caught the touchdown. Essentially, two passes to Kelsey in the end zone that could have been touchdowns, neither one was. That's not a great thing either. But the Chiefs win at 27-17. Playoff situation is wild, and we'll get more with Stan Weber coming right up in just a couple of minutes. All right, some other notes over the weekend in sports. Kansas beats Indiana in a thriller. This was a fun college basketball game to watch. But it also sort of accentuates the problem that Kansas has, and they've demonstrated a lot this year. They did this against UConn. They've done elsewhere. Now, look, Bill Self is such a great coach, and KU is so talented that they are the team that can fall behind double digits and come back and win and do that on the road. They've always been that team. This is probably the third or fourth time this year I've said this. This reminded me of about 100 wins they have over Kansas State that Bill Self has over Kansas State, where K-State would play well, Bramlage is going crazy, it looks really tough, this is bad, K-State's got a lead, and here come the Jayhawks. And then they win the game and they're too good in the end. Look, if I was a Kansas grad and like one of the biggest KU supporters in the world, I would be get I would get credit for this okay because I have said this forever about the Kansas Jayhawks and nobody else uses it and I don't think they I think they don't use it because I do but this is this is the best way to describe Kansas basketball the game is too long for their opponent that's it that's it that's KU basketball in a nutshell 40 minutes is too long for opponents to beat Kansas It just is. Look, the Chiefs have won a million football games that way. The game's too long. Eventually, Mahomes is going to make a play. Eventually, the Chiefs are going to get you. That's what the great teams do. They win games late. They find ways when they're not shooting well, in the case of the Kansas Jayhawks, they find ways. But they've got built-ins here that are just phenomenal. Hunter Dickinson had another double. He's Mr. Double-Double. We have 17 points, 14 boards in this game. Just ridiculous. KU wins at 75-71. Bill Self said it was one of the best wins he's ever had at Kansas in a crazy environment. They went on a 16-5 run late that surprised absolutely nobody watching. Was surprised that KU struggled for 30 minutes, then went on a run and won the game. Kevin McCullough had 21 points. This was a terrific win for Kansas. They are ready to go play against the Big 12. Houston, which is outstanding this year, uh, may have lost a really talented player this weekend for the year. So the arrow pointing up for the Kansas Jayhawks to go win the Big 12. It is not looking good for Kansas State, which lost 62-46 in Nebraska on Sunday afternoon. K-State had a lead at halftime and only scored 12 points after intermission. Fred Hoiberg and his team were dancing in the locker room, imitating Jerome Tang's locker room videos, playing the song and doing the dancing and stuff, sort of poking them with a stick. Which is interesting because Nebraska is the only team I can think of that's never won an NCAA tournament game. Like Nebraska in basketball, poking the stick at anyone is a joke. That's a joke, but they did. And it's a good win for Nebraska. And they've got a couple of good wins this year. And they look like they're a program on the rise. And I'm happy for them. I'm also disappointed in Kansas State because Jerome Tang had a really bad week. This hissy fit reaction to losing Nacon Tomlin off this team is a joke. It is the sign of an inexperienced head coach. He is saying things he shouldn't be saying. He's basically telling everyone he knows to let everyone know that I'm going to leave at the end of this year because I don't like the president of the university, that I'm Jerome freaking Tang, and I'll just take my act and go wherever I want because I don't like that they kicked a kid off the team that may have done some really seedy things. This is a bad look for Tang. 
and he left it open. If God tells me to go elsewhere, I'll go elsewhere. And then the whopper of the lie, but this is before the game. You wonder why this team wasn't focused, didn't play well. Then this is the whopper of all lies. If God tells me just to get out of coaching, I'll go do something else. Uh, No, you won't. I'll take that bet that you waited and worked hard all these years to become a head coach and you're making the money you're making now. I'll take the bet that God doesn't tell you to do something else other than basketball. I'll take that bet. That's crazy. And there is there is a weird, weird, weird feeling around K-State fans and the K-State basketball program right now that is completely unjustified. I don't get any of it. And it, if they don't nip it in the bud right now, like before this thing starts, this thing could go off the skids. Like in a big way off the skids. I would tell Jerome Tang as a second-year head coach, and someone who's probably, well, I am, I'm far more media savvy than Jerome Tang. He does nice things. He does little videos with the students, and he's a good good guy. He's a good man. He's a good Christian. He's a good person. You don't discuss this in public. When somebody asks, you know, would you leave? You say, man, are you kidding me? This is the place that gave me a chance after 19 years to be a head coach. I love these fans. I love this place. No, I'm not. it's not even something I'm thinking about. We got a season out of us. We got to go kick some butt. That's not what he says. It's not what he says. Everybody knows he's mad at the president of the university for kicking a player off his team. And I, I've, I've told my buddies that are like, he's going to leave. He's going to, I said, really? He's going to take a step down? Because if they don't make the tournament, he's going to have to take a step down to leave. He won't even be able to make a lateral move if they miss the tournament. And he will officially be, if they don't make the tournament, in a category of, oh, okay, he had a good year with Bruce Weber's player leading the way. That's what will happen for Jerome Tang. He needs to pipe it down and go win some basketball games. What I saw on Sunday doesn't leave me a lot of hope that they're going to win a whole bunch of games in the Big 12. Missouri Tigers had a disappointing loss in Kansas City on Sunday. Seton Hall, 93-87 over Mizzou. It was a 21-6 run at the start of the second half for Seton Hall, and they built a 63-44 lead, and that was kind of all she wrote. I mean, Missouri came back and put Seton Hall in a situation where they had to make free throws late to win the game. But this is a disappointing loss for Missouri, which had some momentum. They wait a few days this week on Friday night. They'll play Illinois in the Bragg and Rights game in St. Louis. There's a, a, a giant book for Missouri to write this year, and we just don't know which way it is. I, I don't, I don't, I can't predict what Missouri's going to do. We know conference play is hard. We know it just gets really grindy and difficult and you have good nights and bad nights. I think, I, well, I, I'm pretty sure Missouri's a tournament team, but whether they become some top four or five seed and finish maybe third in the SEC or something like that, I don't know that yet. I can't rule it out, and I love the future. And I, I take it at everybody's word that Dennis Gates is a terrific coach. People say he, the X's and O's and the preparation and everything are spot on. We know he's getting good players. So uh, not the same forecast for me with Missouri as with Kansas State. But neither one of them either has a forecast of Kansas. So we really have three different college basketball stories being written. Pretty cool stuff. All right, Stan's going to join us to talk some college football. And this is brought to you by my friends at Smoke and Fire in Overland Park, 119th and Metcalf. One week left to Christmas. Gift baskets half off. Smoking and grilling books, 40% off. Napoleon barbecue accessories, 30% off. Slicing and trimming knives, 35% off. You walk into Smoke and Fire, they've moved. They're at 119th and Metcalf now. They're right in there by Price Chopper and Hobby Lobby. 
Go in there to Smoke and Fire. Say, I heard Kevin talking about it. There are gift baskets. These are cool things with all kinds of barbecue accessories, spices, rubs, sauces, even utensils and things like that, all wrapped up in baskets. The last week before Christmas, half off. They got a bunch of them left. They just cut them in half. What an easy gift to buy for somebody. Great gift. Go in and buy one. Half price gift baskets right now at Smoke and Fire. They've got all the accessories. Last minute steals and deals this holiday season. Smoke and Fire, the barbecue and fireplace. MyPillow and MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. Your promo code is KKHI. You still have time to get these items shipped in time for Christmas. Yes, you do. MyPillow.com. Your promo code is always KKHI. They've got some awesome towels and robes and slippers that make great gifts, and you're supporting a great American conservative company, Mike Lindell's company, MyPillow.com. Your promo code is always KKHI. And bstock.net. They just continue to help for the holidays. Do something fun for yourself. You want to get all set up for all your time off here around the holidays and watch some football? Maybe gather around a new large screen TV on Christmas Day to watch the Chiefs and the Raiders? bstock.net is ready for you. How about a 65-inch LG 4K TV, just $349? They have Chromebooks at $229. They have a Lenovo ThinkPad 14-inch laptop. This is a monster of a computer and a ridiculous slashed price of just $399 because that is a really, really good computer. They also have tablets available. Bstock.net is located at 14680 South Flaming Road. All right, my man Stan is here with the football feast. we got a lot to talk about as the Chiefs have three weeks to go and a whole lot of problems to fix at KKHI. Hit it! The Kevin Keatsman Has Issues Conversation is brought to you by Cross Kitchens, Kansas City's home remodeler, online at crosskitchenskc.com. Oh, it's time to bring in Stan now and check in with our man and see what he thinks about what's going on with the Chiefs and everything in the NFL, a wild, wild playoff picture in the AFC and NFC. It is crunch time with three weeks to go. Stan, how are you, sir? Merry Christmas week to you. Yeah, hard to believe with all the sports going on. Christmas kind of gets here pretty quickly, but a great time of year for families, so I hope everybody enjoys it. And uh, I, I enjoy the NFL so much uh, that it's going to be a great run through December and into January. These playoff races are crazy. The seating and where everyone's going to fall. I hope everyone's enjoying it half as much as I am. The only thing that you love, um, uh, other than family and, and your religion and things of this nature, your faith, uh, the only thing you love more than football, I think, is being part of a game, which is why you do so much broadcasting uh, on radio and with Kansas State and TV and the different things that you do. But how difficult was it for you to be calling a Kansas State basketball game in the middle of the Chiefs and then Cowboys game on Sunday? Do you ever have a, a thought in your head like, why exactly do I do all this? Well, I do always ask, like, why does basketball play on Sunday? Right. And against the Kansas City Chiefs, like that normally isn't too good a business. But this game was flexed for Monday. So K-State thought that they had a nice little 2 o'clock game. Nebraska, a good regional rivalry at home in Bramley. So K-State had it all queued up. And uh-oh, the Chiefs got moved to noon. So it is a challenge, but I have my methodologies. I've done this a little while, Kevin. Yeah, I know. My 37th year of broadcasting. So I have my strategies and my ways of doing things to be able to do it all. It's just not in the same timetable. So I'm not texting you or something about, can you believe Kadarius Tony just dropped the ball right to the New England Patriots? That isn't going to happen. My phone is so far away from me, Kevin, that if there was an emergency, I would be in trouble. Call my wife. Because about uh, 
for, for instance, when the games are going on, the Chiefs and Cowboys, I watch as much as I can, and I lock in, and I did the game on TV, K-State, Nebraska. Then I ran over to my in-law's house in Manhattan and started watching the Chiefs game from where I left off, and I knew nothing about it. And I hadn't looked at my phone. My phone isn't even near me. And that happened all night long because then I watched those games, Chiefs, Cowboys, drove back to Kansas City, had DVR to Sunday night football game, watched it the same, fast-forwarding through commercials, and my wife runs down and goes, your phone's exploding <laughs> like there's an emergency or something. I go, this is my buddies commenting on every play on the game, you know, and I go, get that phone away from me. Yeah. You know, so I have no idea, Kevin, somehow, some way I insulate myself, watch the games as if they're live and get through it all. So two o'clock tips are better than some of the other times because I got a good dose of the Chiefs game before I had to stop watching it. And then the Cowboys game is hardly going right when I got done. So it worked out better than it normally could. The big thing, Kevin, was home game. Yeah. Can you imagine if I was on the road oh. with the team <laughs> going to the plane, and guess what everyone would say? Can you believe the Chiefs won that game? Right. Like, oh, man, don't tell me. I can. I want to watch it as live. I want to right. feel it as if it's brand new. It worked out well yesterday. Being a home game, it all worked out well, except for K-State could not make a basket in the second half for those who care about basketball. And Fred Hoiberg in his fifth year at Nebraska, not Iowa State. He's a, his parents went to Nebraska. His grandfather was a coach at Nebraska. More of a Nebraska guy than you think of all the Iowa State history. In his fifth year, they actually have a pretty good team. They beat Michigan State in their last game. They beat K-State because K-State did not make a basket. 0 of 12 from behind the arc in the second half. But back to the NFL where the Chiefs did exactly, Kevin, what we thought they would do. Win and look the same as they have. Okay, that's a, that's a perfect jumping off point because I said earlier, uh, my comment on, on this game is if this were the first five or six weeks of the season, We'd say, hey, the Chiefs have a nice-looking team again. They got some things they got to clean up, but they're going to be okay. When there's three games left in the season, we're all panicked because we're seeing the same stuff. The first interception by Mahomes was a terrible throw. It was forced. We saw some other bad throws on his part, but we also saw the good. The man completed for 305 yards, two touchdowns. He did some nice things out there. The Chiefs have a, a real player in Rasheed Rice. There's a lot to like, but the mistakes, they weren't going to beat anybody good yesterday. And, and honestly, they should have won this game 34-10, to 10, not 27-17. So you just kind of have this bitter taste after watching the Chiefs that they're not going to clean this up. Are, are we stuck with this and they're, they're doomed to lose in the playoffs? Well, more than likely you are stuck with it. But every game has its own encapsulation. So they aren't necessarily going to have to lose because you don't know if you get a better version. Did you think Sky Moore was going to get a punt return in the AFC Championship game? Did you think Kadarius Toney was going to get a punt return in the Super Bowl? You know, those little pop plays can really make a difference. So I'm not going to write off anything about the playoffs. The Chiefs are not as good a football team as they've been, uh, period. Their defense is not dominant. Did you see New England throw the ball on them early in the ball game? Uh, the Chiefs are good on defense, but they're not dominant. It's an improvement. This is good. Uh, the Chiefs on offense, have a lot of question marks, and so they're playing with a, a thinner rope right now. But that doesn't mean that they can't compete against the other teams in the AFC because everyone's struggling this season. What I did like, though, something that you mentioned right there, go look at the pass plays that Patrick Mahomes had, and there were more old Patrick Mahomes plays from previous years in this game than we've seen. Still some of the problems, but some of the positives. And how about the third-down conversions that they made the old third and ten, no big deal. I'll throw the ball downfield and 
complete a pass. I really like that part of it. So maybe they can trend up, but I generally think, uh, at least in this game and probably most of these last four games, the Chiefs probably are going to win all four of them. They're so not going to learn a lot. It's just about the competition. Maybe that'll change. You know, Cincinnati's getting better and got some good DNA. But you know, New England, the equation for the Patriots was there's no way they're going to win the game. There's no way they're going to win. Their offense is so poor that it was over. The Chiefs could play whatever they wanted to. I said that they would struggle. It would be hard for a while, but it remind me of the Raiders game when they take off in the second half and make you feel better about their offense. So not a lot of conclusions. I like that Patrick Mahomes threw the ball better downfield. I think you saw, I'm a big guy now, watch Patrick's face. That's a new one for all the listeners. Watch Patrick's face. For at least three weeks, Kevin, I was telling you that he's getting frustrated. And then he exploded. And even the national guys, if you listen to them throughout the week, this last week, they're going, now oh, Patrick Mahomes just didn't get mad at that one official and go off and go too far and talk about it in his postgame handshake with Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. You know, this is building up over time. Exactly. It's been building up over time. So, Kevin, I think that the face shots that they give you on the sideline are a good indicator of where the Chiefs are. If he's calm and confident, the Chiefs are going to be just fine. If he gets frustrated, it's going to be a little bit harder. And he is – you can just look at his face right now, Kevin, and I think it's been true for five or six weeks that he doesn't have that confidence that he had the last five years where, hey, we're going to get this. doesn't matter who drops the ball. We're going to go out and win. It doesn't matter who block, who doesn't block on the offensive line. I, okay. He knew they were going to come back and win. I, I think I agree with you on those points. But what I don't like about this is we seem to just accept the fact that he can get mad at his teammates, and he was really, really upset with Tony again yesterday. And we saw that, and he had an exchange with Andy after the first interception. There is no acceptance here that part of this is him, okay? He's not playing his best football either. And I'll I'll, I'll argue with anyone about this, and the more mad he gets, okay, and the more tantrums we see and disappointment or the looks on his face that you're saying, the worse he's going to be. It's Andy's, It's somebody's job to get to Patrick Mahomes and say, look, stop. That's it. This is over. Stop with this getting frustrated. Shake it off. You're a pro. Okay. Go back to the sideline. Have a blank stare. Just just don't. You got to get your game together. Because that first interception he threw was horrible. And he's made bad plays this year. He's to blame too. And I, I just feel like we're stuck in this rut of blaming everyone except Patrick Mahomes. And that is wrong. He is not playing well enough either. All the things that you're saying are a problem with. And I think that's true that he is a part of it as well. He's done a great job this year early of just taking on all those issues and putting the game on his back and scrambling. And he did a little bit of that again in this ball game, just some incredible plays with his scrambles and throws, not so much runs this time. But when I talk about the frustration, Kevin, I'm glad you brought this up because I need to distinguish this for everybody who's listening. This frustration that I believe has been building up is not that he's mad at the other guys as much as he's frustrated with where they are. And that does include him. Now, does he look in the mirror and see that it's him as well? I don't know, Kevin. But the fans obviously aren't going that. I think you're saying most media members and fans aren't going to say it's Patrick's fault. It's all Blake Bell's fault. Blake Bell shouldn't be on the team. Blake Bell didn't fight hard enough for that ball. That's the kind of thing. But my frustration, Kevin, I mean, his frustration is about they haven't been magical. Like every ball doesn't bounce to his guys and off the defenders. He's thrown a lot of bad passes in his career, but they always seem to magically fall incomplete. And he's never not been able to drive down the field except for, guess what, three times recently. 
he hasn't been able to do it. Philadelphia, Green Bay, Buffalo. My comments about his frustration, he may not be putting it in the right direction, Kevin, but that frustration is about the Kansas City Chiefs, not Kadarius Tony, in my opinion. Okay. It's, it's the whole so, thing. Are, we are not what we should be. Let me ask you this then, because I, I have this firm belief that he will never, ever blame himself or think it's him. And now I'm not being critical here because I think LeBron James is that way. I think Michael Jordan was that way. I think Tom Brady, in a way, was that way. Like, hey, there's bad things happening around me, but this isn't my fault. There's something about the great ones that they just continue going, believing that they're the greatest and that the problem has to be elsewhere. I don't like that look. I don't. But I see it, and I also recognize that other great stars have been that way. I also don't think that will ever change. I think I think Patrick Mahomes is set in stone that nothing will ever be his fault. That's my strong belief. And again, I'm not being overly critical. I think a lot of the great ones are that way, aren't they? Yes, they are. And I will turn what you're saying into a slightly different mindset. Think a lot about this, Kevin. He, I believe, humans, okay, first of all, let me step back. Humans believe in themselves way less than you think they do. Just look at your own life. Everybody look in the mirror and see what people think about you, and then think yourself about, do you really have that much confidence in yourself? And it doesn't matter if you're successful or not. Most people are their own worst enemies. They know they're not as great as the public thinks they are. They know where their weaknesses are. I think Patrick Mahomes, deep down, has a loss, a little loss of confidence. Let's put the word confidence in here rather than naiveness or cockiness in those words. I think he does look in the mirror and go, I can't believe I'm not driving the team down the field. Doesn't matter who my teammates are. What's happened to my magic? I think the frustration is with himself, Kevin, but he cannot believe that. I hope he doesn't. I hope he's like Tom Brady and blames everybody else because you want him to have confidence. I'm worried about his confidence dropping because I'm going to say he internalizes this more than you think, Kevin. I think he thinks that I'm the guy who went and won the games for all these five years. No cut down to the rest of the dudes, but he is the greatest quarterback in the NFL. He's the guy that's got to be cocky. I think he thought, doesn't matter if the defense can't stop anybody. Doesn't matter what the situation is. Remember when New England shut out the Chiefs in that playoff game that he lost? He came back in the second half. He's always like, I'm good enough to do this. I'll put the whole team on my back. I think he's questioning, Kevin, as a, a slight lack of confidence. Like, I can't put this team on the back. What the heck's going on? Why is the ball bouncing to them? Remember that early Buffalo interception? I know you didn't like it, but that ball bounced up in the air and ended up being intercepted. How does that crap happen? I just think he's hitting the odds. Things are happening against him as well. And I'm wondering about his confidence. So I think he's harder on himself than – I think his facial expressions during the game when he can't control his emotions, not after the game when he can think about it, are the best to say, I think he's questioning himself as long with the team. It's not just Kadarius. It's like, why can't I do more? Why am I relying on Kadarius? One play costing us like this. So I hope he's cocky. I hope he blames everybody else because he needs to get his confidence back. Three times the Chiefs have had the chance to drive the ball down the field in games this year. Recently, they didn't succeed in any of them, Kevin. Right. That's the thing. We want him to believe that he is flawless. Hey, Houston, Texas, remember when they were way ahead of the Chiefs? Who was Mr. Confident on the sideline? Patrick Mahomes. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Do you think he'd say that right now with this team, Kevin? Right. If they were behind by 17 points to somebody, he's going to like, oh, crap. So I want him to be cocky. I want him to have that mentality like Tom Brady. Blame everybody else. But deep down, I think 
Yeah, I think he's losing confidence himself. That's what worries me. Yeah, I just he can't. I th- I think Andy probably told him before this game. You have one job Sunday, and that is don't turn it over. We will beat this team if we don't turn it over. And I'll be darned if the Chiefs didn't go up there and turn it over a couple times. Uh, you know the the thing that I really liked here and and to build on to me, he had twelve targets to Rasheed Rice and Jarek McKinnon, and he completed twelve passes for one hundred ten yards and two touchdowns. Those are the guys. Even Travis Kelsey, who said, listen, playing against Belichick is no fun. He knew he was going to get taken out of this game. He dropped a touchdown. Kelsey did. And he did a soccer flop in the end zone trying to draw a penalty. I don't even know what that is. Travis Kelsey's a great player. Soccer flopping is not good. And I saw it with my own eyes. When I think he could have caught the touchdown pass, he's trying to draw a penalty. That What are some of these stupid things they're doing? These are not rookies. Travis Kelsey's been around forever. He's great. Just go make the play. That was bad. That was bad because I think he might have caught it. He would have. I mean, he, he, it was an awful flop, first of all, but he could have caught it. He didn't even try to catch it. He was too busy going for a fake penalty. And uh, you know, one thing we do need to point out for the Kansas City Chiefs is the officiating has not been consistent. It, the NFL's too reliant upon ticky-tack calls, but it went their way this game. Uh, it's not that the Chiefs wouldn't have won, but they did get some calls that were incredible and and just the opposite of what they experienced in the Green Bay game and the Buffalo game where things went against them on close calls. They went their way in this game. But, yeah, there's a lot of questions to still be fixed up. I like the way that he threw the ball to many of the receivers. Rasheed Price, um, McKinnon's so good out of the backfield. They're a better team when he's in there, Kevin. I know everyone loves Pacheco, but he's actually a better part of the team because the Chiefs need to be a passing team to win. they got to rely on their quarterback and Andy Reid's ability to get the things going in the passing game. So I like the fact that it looked like they limited the number of plays for certain guys. I thought Patrick Mahomes threw the ball downfield. This was not check down Patrick. These were good third down and long plays, executed well, and those guys looked very, very good. So there were some positives, I thought, in the ball game. But overall, I just thought we're going to feel a little bit better about them because New England was – a team that had no chance of winning the game. It's just the way they're made up. People have heard me say, maybe, you know, I say it to Danny Klingskill on college game day a lot more, the danger factor. Like, if they put their best game together, how dangerous would they be? Well, everyone hears me using that, always in the context, Kevin, of, oh, here we go, making a team, an underdog, sound like they're better than they are. Well, let me tell you, the danger factor goes all ways. It truly is something I think about. New England's danger factor was almost zero, Kevin. They could have had officials not throw those flags, and they still might have got 24 points, and the Chiefs would have won. New England's just not built to beat anybody like the Kansas City Chiefs, even at home. So that was a game where I knew the Chiefs were going to win no matter what. Now what are they going to do about it? Uh, Can they continue to improve and throw the ball down to these receivers, get them in the rhythm? Because right now the AFC is wide open. Doesn't mean the Chiefs are going to easily run to the AFC Championship and then head to the Super Bowl, Kevin. But the opportunities are still there. If you watch Baltimore last night, everything's a struggle for them. In about every third quarter of the season, literally by quarter, first quarter, second, they lose somebody. I mean, the Ravens and the Chargers get guys injured right and left more than anybody I've ever seen. So the Ravens are easily uh, a team you can compete with every day of the week. I think the Chiefs match up well with them. The real story is, what are we going to see from the bottom seeds? Can Cincinnati put something together? Can Buffalo put something together, be a low seed, and create havoc in this playoff race? Because those are the teams right. you don't want to see, Kevin. Yeah. Well, those are the ones you don't. The Chiefs could have smashed this boat last week. Buffalo was done. 
and you wouldn't have to deal with them in the playoffs if the Chiefs would have won. I told you that. That was a playoff game to kill them. They're back and ready to be dangerous. And I think they make the playoffs. They may win the division. I think they're going to win the division over Miami, but they're going to be close. And then if they're not, seven and six seeds are there Cincinnati and Buffalo. It's game on the AFC playoff. All right. You're skipping ahead to the next chapter of this podcast, Dan. So okay, sorry about that. We don't, just, we don't plan this out. Okay. Hang in, hang Follow in there a the lead. No, I, I, I am ready to Kevin move. Kevin Keisman has issues. Not Stan Weber has issues. <laughs> no, no I'm, to- I'm totally good with this. I'm, I'm totally Back to the this. first chapter where you go. Well, Let's go. I got a million questions to ask you about the NFL, and that's where we are going uh, next. But a little business first. Uh, our NFL coverage here with Stan will be brought to you by Fry Orthodontics online at fryorthodontics.com, where your smile is just the start. Back Nine Development, your custom home builder in Kansas City, Lawrence, Topeka, or Manhattan. Contact TJ Volkanskis at Back Nine Development online at backninedevelopment.com. And Amini's Galleria, 105th and Metcalf in Overland Park. Amini's is ready for you this holiday season to get something cool. For your basement, man cave, entertainment center, whatever it may be, online at aminis.com. This is Aminis. Okay, so let me, I, I, you know, I like, I jot down what I want to talk to you about, but I always like to ask you about things that you've just said. You, the most fascinating thing I just heard there in the last minute or two was the Chiefs have to be a passing team to succeed. What I saw on Sunday was they really miss Isaiah Pacheco, that, that he can run it. The Chiefs can be a good running team. Now, I don't think they're going to be Buffalo. I don't think they're going to be Miami. I'm sorry, uh, Baltimore running the ball. Both those teams had like 250 yards rushing yesterday and won easily. So we see what they've done. Buffalo's done a complete 180 stand. They're not the same team. Josh Allen only threw the ball 15 times yesterday. He had seven completions. They've got new coordinators. They're playing to their defense. They're running the football, and they are dangerous. I do not want to play the Bills. All right, the Ravens don't scare me as much because I think Lamar Jackson... Although Josh Allen's a turnover machine, they're not allowing Josh Allen to turn it over, is my point. You said the Chiefs need to just keep working on this passing thing. And I'm watching two teams that look really hard to beat in the AFC right now, Baltimore and Buffalo, that have said, hey, guess what? We're not letting our quarterbacks throwing the ball beat us. And that's been Lamar Jackson's problem, and it's been Josh Allen's problem, and they look like they've solved that. Right now, Patrick Mahomes is turning the ball over. You're saying the Chiefs shouldn't address that. Well, I, th- I think the Chiefs are a passing team, and every time this, sometimes you got to look at like a coaching hire or a agent signing. The best way to do it is say you're trying to look at yourself. If you were your biggest rival, or you're thinking about your your biggest rival and what they do, that's the fairest analysis. Your best analysis when they do something and you like it or you don't like it. And if you're a Chiefs opponent, every time they hand off the ball to Pacheco, I think the defensive coordinator is going good give me seven yards and pound those knees off his chest, jump up and act excited. That is not how you're going to lose games. Pacheco's not going to beat you. It just is not going to happen. First of all, because Andy is not going to continue to draw, you know, call plays to run the ball all the way down the field. He's done that. What once since he's been a chiefs coach, remember that Buffalo bill game uh, about five years ago where the chiefs just handed the ball off and handed the ball off and ran it right down the undersized Buffalo Bills team. Other than that, Andy's going to get back to the passing game. So the Chiefs don't even believe in the running game that much. Where the Chiefs need to run the football is if it's third and two, third and one, if you don't quarterback sneak it, pound Pacheco in for a first down and get the job done. But, Kevin, the Chiefs throwing a touchdown pass to McKinnon, that's where they cut your heart out. They can use the running backs, but they do it with precise passing angles. That touchdown was hard 
get, and it looks easy as Patrick Mahomes had a perfectly designed play, read it, got the ball out to him, and he scored a touchdown. So I just think the opponents uh, want the Chiefs to run the football. They're only going to be as good as their passing game is when it's all said and done. So I do believe that. Uh, need to improve on the passing game. Or she Rice, your guy, can get better. Uh, they need to refine things and protect the football. Yes, they absolutely do. But I do say the opponents hope the Chiefs run the football. And so – I absolutely think it's all going to be how good the passing game is from an offensive point of view for the Chiefs. All right, I feel like the Chiefs need to get a little bit lucky here. I think they're going to win all their games. I think they're going 12-5, and five, and I think they got a great chance to be the two seed at that point because I think that will at worst tie them with Miami, and they've got the tiebreaker there. I don't know they'll get past the Ravens. We'll see. I was I was counting on Jacksonville to do good things, and that didn't happen. Jacksonville, well, you want to talk about a team that shot itself in the foot Sunday night. The, the Jaguars were just a, a complete train wreck. But what I don't want to see happen – is the Chiefs get the two seed or something, and now they're playing Buffalo in the first game. Buffalo and Cincinnati are lurking. Right now, Cincinnati is in. Buffalo is not. I do not want to play Buffalo in the playoffs. This running game they've got and their defense the way it's playing and Josh Allen not being allowed to lose the game for them looks like it's really working. How do you assess what's going on and how much of this is just flat-out luck with seedings? I don't think there's luck in the NFL very often. For the Chiefs right now, they're looking around the rest of the league, obviously. They've already played the hardest games of their schedule, so the other teams haven't played some of their hardest games. And I think the Chiefs will gain. I'm saying if they get to the playoffs and they're the two seed, they could play the Browns or they could play the Bills. And I think there's only luck in that, and that's a completely different thing because I think the Chiefs would just take care of the Browns, no problem. Yeah, that part of the luck is a big deal right now, and these are the things you need to root for. I was telling my wife about the NFL because she was – we were driving back from Manhattan, and she was quoting some stuff from football so accurately. She goes, how do I know this stuff? How do I know this stuff? I should, I go, you're going to find out. You, you just, you know, you're around the NFL and football, but you're going to find out it's really, really great. So I was trying to suck her in a little bit more on football. And this is the kind of thing where I told her, you don't only root for your own team. You can watch other games, and they matter. I go, Chiefs fans need to be sitting watching the Sunday night football game and rooting against the Ravens like a big deal. So that's what makes it great that so many more games are relevant. And we are in that mode right now, Kevin. The two teams that you do not want to be in the lower seed of the NFL playoffs are in the AFC are the Cincinnati Bengals and especially the Buffalo Bills. Now, Cincinnati does not have Joe Burrow. That's a big difference. But they do have winning DNA. And the other players are stepping up around them. And they have a good defensive coordinator. So you want to, you don't want to see Cincinnati. You want to see teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, you know, a young group of guys that don't know how to play in the playoffs. You do not want to play experienced teams right now. I think Cleveland is more dangerous with Joe Flacco because he throws the ball downfield and he doesn't care about losing. He just goes and tries to win games. That's why he's effective in the playoffs and he's made Cleveland better than they were. So I think Cleveland's a dangerous team, Kevin, but you do, you want to see the Indianapolis Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers slide into the playoffs. You do not want the Buffalo Bills. You're absolutely right. They're the most dangerous team in the AFC other than Baltimore, and Baltimore is an enigma because everything's hard for them. They're likely to throw you the ball or make a play. I think the Chiefs met very well with Baltimore. They have not shown with Lamar Jackson. They're a great playoff team. Even if they get the number one seed, they could be upset like they've done before and give the Chiefs home field advantage throughout the playoffs. All those things are in play. But you're right. The Buffalo Bills, they know how to play playoff football. 
and Josh Allen is very good, and they got weapons. You know, for about six or seven games, Diggs was just a non-factor. I don't know what's got in his head. His brother down at Dallas is tweeting how upset he is and doesn't like it in Buffalo. But he looked re-engaged against the Dallas Cowboys, and he's a big factor. You know, he's their biggest weapon. They're starting to run the football. they got a new offensive coordinator. All those things are in play, Kevin. But Buffalo is a dangerous team. No one's that great in the AFC this year, first of all. Not the Chiefs, not anybody else. But you, the matchups are going to matter. Who you play is going to be a factor of how likely the Chiefs right. are to make the Super Bowl. I'm with you completely. But let's don't, uh, don't overly tell me how great the Buffalo Bills are. Okay, I know about this. Okay, Dallas stinks in certain situations, okay? <laughs> so you didn't ask me about Dallas, but Dak Prescott, I think he's the MVP. What a joke. I watch these games. When the Cowboys, they are front-running team. Man, when things are going well, they want to crush you. They like to run up the score, and everything goes well. But when it's tough and they are behind or they got to fight, doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Okay, the Dallas Cowboys do not stop the run, Kevin. They play safeties at linebacker. Van Der Esch got hurt. He was the last linebacker on the squad. Go watch the Dallas Cowboys. They can't stop the run against anybody. That's why Buffalo kept laughing at them and running the football. They're the most penalized team and undisciplined team in the NFL. They had stupid penalties all over the place, which gave the game to Buffalo. They're bad on the road. They are are a three and four on the road. They don't even look like themselves. They're a home-winning, front-running, turf football team. And they had a fumble against Buffalo. And guess what they did, Kevin? You'll like this one. They knocked the ball loose at the 50-yard line on the Buffalo sideline, recovered the fumble at a critical, maybe we can get back in this game point. And what did the Cowboys sideline do? Oh, like COVID, go to sleep again. Didn't throw the red flag, (laughs) didn't challenge it. What the heck, Kevin? Those are the kind of little things that good programs do they would have challenged that. That would have taken one touchdown off of Buffalo's score because they scored a few plays later, and Dallas would have got the ball at the 50 and had a chance. So this Buffalo game was about Dallas, okay? It's all about Dallas. Buffalo's not nearly as good as they looked yesterday. Mm. That doesn't mean they aren't the most dangerous because who's good in the AFC, Kevin? Right. Who's good? Who scares you? It's well, playoff experience. It's danger factor. What happens if Josh Allen played a great game, Kevin? What happens if Diggs played a great game? What happened if Buffalo's defense really found their rhythm and they didn't turn over the ball? How good could Buffalo be? Really good. Yeah. So, see, yeah, I'm really worried about Buffalo. See, I think you're right. I think everybody in the AFC playoff race right now is saying, uh, we don't want to play Buffalo. You know, they, now what the Chiefs need to do over the next three weeks is become the team where everybody in the AFC says, oh, we don't want to play Kansas City. And they can do that. If they if they shore some of the stuff up and play better, I think they're going to win these games. And, and there might be people at that point saying, boy, you, you know, the Chiefs had a bad regular season here, but look at them. They're 12-5, and five, and you probably don't want to play this outfit because we know what they do in the postseason. So the Chiefs need to become that. Here's my final they question. They won four straight. Yeah. They won four right. straight under that scenario. And you're right. Let's, I want to say this to confirm what you said. Miami's leaking oil has a hard schedule. The Chiefs are going to be the number two seed at worst. Yeah, I think and that's, that's big right. Because yeah. it's likely, if you go by seats, Kevin, you know, don't worry about Cincinnati and Buffalo and all those teams. If you go by seeds, it's either Miami to Kansas City or Kansas City to Miami in the second week, okay? And I think there's a big difference, Kansas City hosting Miami. I think they'll be the number two seed at worst. Still an outside chance that they could be the number one seed. Yeah, and I really don't care about the the, the one's great, but this team looks like it could use an extra football game. 
to get ready. I mean, honestly, instead of a buy, it looks like they need to keep getting better. We'll see how it plays out over the next few weeks. Final question, and this is in the NFC. The AFC crew, everybody's like, oh, you don't want to play Buffalo right now. Well, that's the team of the week. Everybody's saying you don't want to play Buffalo. Does San Francisco, is there anything in the NFC other than, I mean, it's San Francisco. No, is, is there anybody else really seriously to worry about? Not that somebody else couldn't make it or upset San Francisco or the Niners have a bad day, but are they leaps and bounds better than everyone else? If Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey are both healthy, um, they if either one of those weapons are gone, San Francisco relies too much on Brock Purdy being that Iowa State quarterback that was the last pick in the NFL draft. Even though he's playing well, it's too much pressure on him. And so they can slide a little bit. Debo Samuel is Tyreek Hill. He's Tyreek Hill number two. And so when he's on the field, San Francisco doesn't lose. When he got hurt, they struggled. I think they lost three games in a row. But Christian McCaffrey should be the MVP of the league, not Dak Prescott. Uh, And then Debo Samuel is the killer that is Tyreek Hill that makes everything go. The play calling's good. They're physical. Their defense is good. As long as Brock Purdy continues to play the way he has as a pro, then San Francisco's leaps and bounds better than everybody else. Because Philadelphia, you called it out as well. You saw them. They are just trying. They're, they're in Super Bowl recovery mode. They're trying to recreate last year, and they're not as good. Jalen Hurts has been getting beat up. Uh, and so Philadelphia is a legitimate, dangerous, experienced football team. But other than that, it's San Francisco by a mile. And in the whole NFL, San Francisco is the best team. But do they have in their DNA to drop a game and maybe not play quite as well? If it doesn't go to sequence, if they don't play like the game plan is supposed to be and take advantage of the game right away, they become susceptible, Kevin, to losing as well. So we saw in the Super Bowl when the Chiefs put the pressure on them in the fourth quarter, they couldn't get over the hump with Garoppolo. Well, you're going to tell me Brock Purdy's a million times better than Garoppolo? No. He's a system quarterback that's doing a great job. And he's dangerous, and they're the best team in football with all those guys healthy. But they could be upset. And here's something to watch. Division games matter, Kevin. Division foes are not intimidated by other division foes nearly as much as they should be, right? You agree with me on that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like a, like a Denver against the Chiefs right. should be Chiefs easy, but you got to respect that Denver's wired to play the Chiefs. They've been in that arena. The Los Angeles Rams, if they make the playoffs as a seventh seed, Kevin, or the sixth seed, they could cause some havoc because they have Super Bowl DNA as well. Stafford's a big-time quarterback, and they've got guys who were in the Super Bowl just two years ago, like Aaron Donald. This is a sneaky team to think about. If you want to win the Super Bowl, and you're a Dallas fan, a Philadelphia fan, and maybe even a Kansas City Chiefs fan, what you want is the Rams to slip up and go to San Francisco and upset them in the playoffs. Yeah, That's how they get knocked out. When they don't think they're going to get beat, the Rams come in. The Rams can play with them every day of the week. They're not scared of San Francisco at all. They'll go in and play them toe-to-toe, and if that happens, they get upset. Then the whole NFL dynamic changes because San Francisco goes from being the favorite to, you know, I've thought this out a million times. Dallas can go beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia, Kevin. They can do that because it's a division foe. They're not intimidated by Philadelphia at all. doesn't mean they would win, but what Dallas needs to do is avoid San Francisco, have someone else upset them, go do the dirty work of going on the road and winning the first playoff game because right. they're not going to win the division. Go to Philadelphia and upset Philadelphia because you can play with them all day and not have to play San Francisco. 
That's how Dallas can get to the Super Bowl. Maybe that's how Philadelphia can get to the Super Bowl. And that is what everyone in the NFL should be rooting for. Someone, someone to be dangerous enough to upset the 49ers in the playoffs. And, Kevin, I can't find anybody else. I keep looking up and down the list, and I go, gosh, they're just not dangerous enough. The Rams are dangerous like the Bills. If you don't like the Kansas City Chiefs, you hate the Chiefs. You're tired of them. You're a New England fan that's just so mad that you're not on top of the world. You know what you want? Buffalo, seven seed. Chiefs, two seed. And go see an upset, right? Exactly right. So on the NFC, Rams over San Francisco is something that might happen, which opens the way for another team to slip into Super Bowl. You want Detroit in the Super Bowl for the first time? Have them not have to play San Francisco. Someone else beat it. You see what I'm saying? Go Rams. That's how it can happen. Uh, and Dallas, they can't beat San Francisco if their life depended on it. Why, Kevin? Because they can't stop the run. What's the first thing you have to do to stop San Francisco? Stop the run. There is not a worse matchup than Dallas's little safety and their wimpy defensive lineman. <laughs> and how about my guy, Micah Parsons? Did you see Micah Parsons, yes. number 11? Yes. Don't you love that guy? Yes. Isn't he just a super player? Why does he have his hands on his hips the fifth play of the game? Like he's dying. Like he can't play. Oh, I'm so tired. I played five plays. I'm so tired. Is he trying to be Bosa of the Chargers? Come on, man. You sound like Stephen A. Smith now. You are all over those guys. <laughs> and I love the Cowboys. I love the Cowboys. That's why you're tough on them. That's why you're tough on them. Well, no, no. It goes back to let's tie the first chapter into the second chapter, Kevin. When you look in the mirror and you think about yourself, you have less confidence in yourself than everybody in the world. You always are harder when you know where your warts are. You know where your brain doesn't work as well. You know when you're not as talented as everyone thinks you are, you beat yourself up the most, okay? So mental health matters, chapter three, mental health matters. Believe in yourself, but I know the Cowboys so well, Kevin. I know exactly where the weaknesses are. Exactly. Buffalo ran the ball every down, and I just laughed and said, yep. Even they're smart enough to realize the Cowboys can't stop anybody against the run. Stan, you are the best, buddy. We appreciate it. We wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. I'll touch base with you. We'll do something next week for Bowl Week, but uh, no podcast on Monday as it's Christmas Day. The Chiefs will be playing. So I'll let you know. We'll get together. We know you'll be headed out for a bowl game in Florida coming up next week. You have a great holiday, and I will chat with you soon, sir. You too, Kevin. And a Merry Christmas to all the listeners out there the podcast. Thanks for listening, and hope you have a great week. And let's get this Chiefs winning streak going, Kevin. Let's continue. Win, win, win. Four-game winning streak. Thanks for letting me talk about some football and tell the truth about those uh, Dallas Cowboys. Let's get into Christmas mode. <laughs> yeah, you're the Grinch. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. All right, Stan Weber going all Grinch and all Scrooge on the Dallas Cowboys today. That's great stuff on your football feast from Stan who is the best in the business. Our final final is coming right up, brought to you by Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet, GMC, and Excelsior Springs. They just want to say thank you to all of you that sent toys because so many of you did. Mike Robinson, truly blown away at how many packages arrived via UPS. Great stuff. Thank you so much for helping out meet the need in Excelsior Springs with the annual toy drive at Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet, GMC. Window World, simply the best for less, is the official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs. They're online at windowskansascity.com for a free consultation. Call 816-799-0820 for Window World, simply the best for less. And advanced medical imaging, see what's inside. That's right. If you need an MRI or a CT scan, get it done today or tomorrow. Don't wait six weeks. Log on to medimageks.com or call 785 785- 
856-0224 to get your scan today at Advanced Medical Imaging. Our final final is just a, a tremendous Hall of Fame, great, iconic player in the NBA, Steph Curry, who ended a remarkable streak on Sunday night. The Golden State Warriors won. They were on the road, and they won. 118-114. to 114. Nice win. It also ended Steph Curry's three-point streak. This man had made a three-pointer in every game since December 1st, 2018. 268 straight games with a three-pointer. Steph Curry was 0 for 8 from 3 on Sunday night, 2 out of 12 overall. He scored 7 stinking points, and the Warriors still won. And everyone on that team said afterwards, tough night for Steph, but this is what team sports are all about. We got a great win, and he seemed to be okay with it. A remarkable 268 games in a row with a three-point basket made. There is our final final. Thank you, Stan. We appreciate your time. Thank you for hitting the play button and listening to KKHI. Don't forget to hit the like, follow, or subscribe button and tell your friends that Kevin Keatsman has issues. Kevin Keatsman Has Issues has been presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC and is produced by Crooked Tail Media. Please hit the like or follow button wherever you listen or give us a review. For premium content podcasts and weekly newsletter, join as a patron at kkhasissues.com. For as little as $5 a month, support all our sponsors and other conservative businesses at the kklist.com. This has been a production of Cricket Tail Media Incorporated.